0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation, presents the School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization, with Father Scott Trainer. Father Trainer serves as the rector of St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado. He has been an instructor and spiritual director for many of the programs at the Institute for Priestly Formation. He is a retreat master and spiritual director who has traveled the country as a speaker for various conferences, diocesan gatherings, and national conferences. He is the author of The Parish as a School of Prayer, Foundation for the New Evangelization, on which this series is based. The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Traynor. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Father Scott, thank you for joining me again.
1: Great to be back with you, Chris. Thanks so much.
0: To be able to talk about prayer, it, it's more than just talking, isn't we? We have to live prayer, don't we?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with the Institute for Priestly Formation mm-hmm. and uh, am so grateful in my life and in my priesthood for the training in prayer that I receive from them. And in some ways, IPF got its start because um, there was a gap in seminary formation. Uh, in seminary, men learn that prayer is essential, that you're not going to be fruitful in your priesthood without it. Like you can't, you're not going to last long as a priest if you're not praying every day. Mm-hmm. And so, and then of course they're introduced to the Liturgy of the Hours and the Mass and wonderful corporate forms of prayer. And these days, of course, most seminaries have time built into the schedule for guys to make their daily personal prayer and their daily holy hour, which is wonderful. But still, did anyone teach you how to pray? That you need to pray? Absolutely. To give you opportunities to pray? Wonderful. Uh, But did anyone teach you how to pray? So like when I sit down, what do I actually do? And there's a gap in that. And uh, I'm thinking of in the Acts of the Apostles, when Philip is brought by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch and asked if he understands the scripture passage in Isaiah that the eunuch is reading, and he says, How could I understand if no one, I have no one to teach me? And so Philip, starting from that point, uh, proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ to this man. There was something about the apostles as they shared life with Jesus that beautiful request that comes from their heart. Having observed Jesus in prayer, seeing that there's something going on there that's tremendously powerful, tremendously attractive, and something that I think their own understanding, they they realized, made all the difference for what Jesus did and why he did it. Lord, teach us how to pray. So, in my own uh, life, and my own priesthood, I really benefited from the work and mission of IPF, and I continue to. And I have a lot of opportunities to offer as a gift what I've received as a gift through them. But uh, to prayer is much more than just talking to God. It is really an encounter of intimacy with God. And it's a real mutual relationship. Not the mutual relationship that I have with another human person, because that's gonna be there's a kind of parody there. In relationship with God, I'm always and rightly in a radical posture of receptivity. Of receptivity. The most important thing in my relationship with God is to receive from God. Because God is God, and mm-hmm. we are his beloved sons and daughters. We are made by God's love. We are made for God's love to be in God love with God to live a communion of love with God is the fulfillment of all our hearts' longing, all our hearts' desires. It's what we God made us for. It's our happiness is to live in love with him. Well, by the nature of God being God and us being his creatures, of course, we're always in a posture of receptivity in that communion of love. Um, apart from God, I can do nothing as we talked about last time, but also, like god is actively love sustaining each one of us in existence right now by an outpouring of his love if god were to stop loving me for a, a moment i wouldn't have a bad day i wouldn't keel over dead i'd actually be annihilated i would cease to exist so it's easy for all of us to really doubt that god could possibly love me because Look at my sins, or look how I messed that up, or look what a failure I am here. You know, we can easily be our worst critics. And in that, the enemy can sow a lie. You're not really loved. Who do you think you are? You think God can love you? And that is a lie from the pits of hell. God has revealed to us, in Jesus, the depths of his love for us, and that his love is unconditional. So in the first letter of St. John, I think in chapter 4, maybe verse 10, he writes, Love consists in this, not that we have first loved God, but that God first loved us. So, in the great commandment, to love God with my whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, to love my neighbor as myself, that first moment of loving God with everything, the first part of that first moment is to receive God's love for me. So, if it's true that receiving God's love is the most fruitful human activity, and we could think about Uh, the Annunciation, Mary's yes. She didn't say, okay, God, I'll do it. She said, be it done unto me according to your word. That beautiful posture of receptivity. But that's the most fruitful human action in human history is Mary's yes. It's a receptive yes. So if it's true that the most fruitful human activity is to receive God's love, and that is true, then the question becomes, well, okay, how do I grow? in receptivity. And the answer is to pay attention to, to acknowledge, to notice what's stirring in my heart, and then to make the huge interior leap to choose to tell God all about it, to relate it honestly to him. If I grow in the habit in my daily time of prayer, when I'm at mass, when I'm going through my work day, when I'm sitting with friends, wherever I'm at in my day, if I grow in the habit of paying attention to What's going on in my heart, my thoughts, my feelings, my desires, memories that uh, they're attached to, perhaps, to be aware of those and then to tell God all about them, to relate them honestly to God. And I do that honestly and consistently. Honestly, I do it as I am, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But God, here it is, you know? Mm -hmm. With the stuff I love in my heart and the stuff that freaks me out in my heart, here it is, God. I'm just going to be honest with you because I can't hide from you. And I do that comprehensively. I do that with whatever comes up in my heart, not just the things that seem suitable for pious or prayerful encounter, right? Mm -hmm. But I'm just real with God, honest, transparent with God, and entrust to him, tell him all about whatever's in my heart. So if I'm acknowledging what's going on in my heart and relating that honestly to God, and I'm doing that consistently, That habit, those habits, will render my heart maximally receptive to whatever God has for me. And then indeed, uh, when I receive from God, what I receive from God invites a response so that I can go from good to better and from death to life and life to glory and glory to glory. It invites a response, a loving invitation to respond. But the response itself is inspired and directed and sustained by what I first received from God. So yeah, prayer is a lot more than just talking to God. It's paying attention to what's going on in my heart, choosing to tell God all about it, relating that honestly to him. There will be those moments of felt receptivity of his presence and his power and his love, and what I receive from him is going to uh, inspire and direct response where I'm bearing fruit in union with Jesus and never apart from him in whatever he's calling me to do that day, in this relationship, in this situation.
0: We'll return to The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer in just a moment. The Institute for Priestly Formation, located at Creighton University in Omaha, Nebraska, offer programs that vary in their format and time frame. They have a common goal. Words from Pope Benedict XVI's inspiring first cyclical, which quotes from St. Gregory the Great, point the way to this goal. The good pastor must be rooted in contemplation. Only in this way will he be able to take upon himself the needs of others and make them his own. The Institute's program exists to help diocesan seminarians and priests become contemplatives in action, to learn how to pray in such a way that they meet God in the midst of everyday business and are thus able to help the people of their parishes and dioceses do the same. The Institute's program for seminarians have served over 1,300 seminarians from 140 different U.S. dioceses and 24 international dioceses. Many more priests, seminarians, and dioceses have benefited from the Institute's other programs as well. These blessings move us to gratitude for the bishops, vocation directors, seminary personnel, and other friends who have been and continue to be so supportive of the mission of the Institute for Priestly Formation. To learn more about their programs or how you might be able to help its valuable mission to the church, go to www.crayton.edu. Backslash IPF, the website for the Institute for Priestly Formation. We now return to the School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. The love that you're describing isn't as some may hear it, some sentimental. No type of emotion. It is that even our our faith and our reason. Even someone who was as brilliant as Thomas Aquinas mm-hmm. and his reasoning ability was able to get to that heart of the love. Because for us as Christians, isn't it true, Father Scott, that we are baptized in our in our essence into that Trinity of love? For many of us, for many Christians, whether you're a Protestant or even a Catholic, I don't know if we appreciate the fact of the Trinity and how that is at the very, very, very core of who we are.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Oh, okay. my goodness. Yes. <laughs> well, that stirs up a lot for me as you say that, Chris. Um, so let's start here. It's probably a lot easier for us to believe that our Eternal Father loves Jesus. A lot easier to believe that than we believe that he has the same love for each one of us. But in truth, who Jesus is by nature, each one of us as baptized persons, and in fact every person, God desires that we become by grace. So who the eternal Son is, beloved of the Father, each one of us is meant to become by grace, that through Jesus with him and in him, we can experience the infinite free total faithful life-giving love of the father so there's a great mystery and revealed truth and when god loves us it's not a, a sentimental thing of course in our day and age love is used all over the time all over the place for realities that are not really love
0: mm-hmm. that really
1: are in the most noble sense sometimes confused with just affection i'm really fond of you i care for you right mm-hmm. Uh, other times, realities that are actually harmful, relationships that are harmful for the person are labeled as, oh, well, we're in love. But the reality of love is that I dedicate all of the energies of my being for the good of my beloved, that I see in my beloved goodness, truth, and beauty, and I make a free, total, faithful, life-giving gift of everything I am for the sake of my beloved. When we say God loves us, this is what we say. God sees in us goodness and truth and beauty and labors with everything in his divine being for our good. Well, if God is for us, who can be against us? That's a great question from scripture. Mm-hmm. Romans eight twenty eight, right? It's Romans chapter 8 somewhere. If God is for us, who can be against us? The God of the universe has chosen to love. He dedicates Everything that he is, all the divine power that created everything out of nothing is dedicated for us, for our good. That goes way beyond sentimentality, mere affection. Those are good things, but they're not love. So this is the love with which God loves each one of us. And so our identity as God's beloved sons and daughters is all caught up in the reality of who God is in himself as a communion of love. So here's a little Trinitarian theology in like two minutes, right? From all eternity, the father loves the son, okay? So he gives everything he is, his whole being, the fullness of divinity to the son. The son for his part, I'll say first of all, but it's mysterious because this is happening from all eternity. There's no like moment where this wasn't the case, but from all eternity, the, the son receives everything he is as a gift from the Father given to him in the Father's love. He receives who he is from the Father's love. And then in freedom and joy and gratitude, the Son loves the Father. He gives everything that he is to the Father. And then there's the Holy Spirit. And what do we profess about the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. So theologically, we talk about how the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son as if from a single source. So in their communion of love with each other, the Father and the Son give everything that they are, the fullness of divinity, to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit receives everything he is from the Father and the Son, as if from a single source, and loves the Father and loves the Son. So what makes the persons of the Trinity distinct from each other is the nature These relationships, and we can kind of break it down in terms of uh, giving yourself in love and then receiving and responding to love that's given. So, the Father always gives Himself away in love to the Son and in union with the Son to the Holy Spirit. The Son, for His part, first of all, receives everything He is from the Father and then is also given, gives Himself away in love in union with the Father to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is all about receptivity. He receives everything he is from the Father and the Son, and he loves the Father in response to that love by loving the Father and loving the Son. Okay, So if you can picture that uh, in your mind, there's a, a, a distinction in terms of giving yourself away in love and then receiving and responding to love that's been given away in the relationships of the Trinity. Okay, so why is that important? Well, that's important because... It's the nature of God who's to be loved and adored for who he is for his own sake. But it's also important because the eternal Son is the one who was born of the Virgin Mary and became man. And as Vatican II says, Jesus Christ reveals God to man. So it's in Jesus that we see the nature of Trinitarian communion of love, in love. So Jesus is forever saying things, uh, like in the Gospel of John most clearly, Like, oh, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only say what I first heard from the Father. The Father and I are one. Mm -hmm. So if you ever ask Jesus, Jesus, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you doing what you're doing the way that you do it? Mm -hmm. The answer for all of those questions in Jesus's life is his relationship with the Father. His answer to all those questions is because of the Father's love for me. That's what makes me who I am. That's what informs what I'm supposed to do. That informs the way that I do what I'm supposed to do. So it's the eternal son who, first of all, receives everything from the father, who reveals God to man and man to himself, shows us how to live as authentic human beings. I look at Jesus, I see how I'm supposed to live. And that's always in reference to the infinite love of the father. First of all, received. But then that what I've received from the Father, calling for a response to be given away in love, and this is our vocation, God's stable plan to be given away in love in the world. But that vocational identity is received in love. And then as I'm living love for God and for my neighbor, that's always in union with God and never apart from him. So at the very depths of the mystery of who we are, made in God's image and likeness is a reflection and uh, an invitation to become by grace, who the eternal Son is by nature. First of all, so through Jesus, with him and in him, the eternal Son, who was born of the Virgin Mary and took on our humanity, through him, with him, in him, to receive the infinite love of the Father and to be given away in love according to our vocation.
0: I think that's so important that we really ponder that. And and as you were describing it, we see glimpses of that in our everyday lives Mm -hmm. and the fact that love as you've described it by its very nature has to be, you have to give. Mm -hmm. It's like if I, in my marriage, if I never shared love, if I never gave it, it, is it love?
1: No, absolutely.
0: You know, so even, and we see that in the family too, don't we father? That we have children and we love, love never divides, just multiplies Mm -hmm. and it just, you keep giving Mm -hmm. And the reason why this is so important, that for the Christian to be baptized into that communion, our prayer then, if I'm hearing you right, is then communication in the heart of that Trinity. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, a communion of love with the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit through Jesus, with him, and in him.
0: You can't take him out of the equation, No, absolutely not.
1: And how am I united to Jesus? By the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, right? It's the Holy Spirit who reveals the presence of Jesus to us and conforms us to him in every respect. That's the the gift of the whole, uh, the promise of the Father, which Jesus promises as he ascends into heaven, will lead you to all truth. I have much more to tell you now, he says at the Last Supper, but you cannot bear it. But the Holy Spirit, the advocate, will lead you to all truth. Well, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The Holy Spirit leads us and conforms us to Jesus so that through him, with him, and in him, we can be ushered into this infinite, eternal communion of love of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
0: And that Holy Spirit would eventually be able to help Paul come to the realization and communicate to all of us in Galatians 2.20, it's mm-hmm. not I who live, but it's Christ, but Christ who, lives who lives in me.
1: Amen. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, and have we tasted that? You know. Uh, and I love that you're raising the example of the family because in the church's own understanding, like no pressure on husbands and wives and moms and dads, but the family reveals the reality of the Trinity, a communion of love so profound that it gives rise to another person, your children. The communion of love of the Father and the Son is the Holy Spirit. So no pressure, but in God's plan for the world, the reason that marriage was established as the one good, not forfeited by the flood, as it says in the marriage rite, is that by people's first experience, being born into a communion of love in the family, they would come to know something of God, to be prepared for the fullness of the revelation of the mystery of God and the meaning of our existence in his image and likeness, that that would be first known through the communion of love in the family. And, you know, there's a, uh, a classic example of when I'm receiving love, I have to express love or love will not grow, right? Uh, and it's the Dead Sea. Why is the Dead Sea dead? Water flows in and it doesn't flow out because it's the lowest place, right? Uh, t- when we receive the love of God, we're always called to give as a gift what we receive as a gift. So it's not the case that, like, when I go to prayer or go to mass, like, I tank up on God's love. And then I go away on my own and I kind of dole out that love in whatever circumstances and then kind of run out of empty here. I need to go pray again or whatever. No, it's not like that. I think, And I think, I know for a long time in my life, that's how I pictured the deal. Mm -hmm. And it's just not true. What's true? Think of the image of a sailboat. This is like receiving God's love and then giving God's love or pouring his love out into the world. Here's a sailboat. How does a sailboat move, right? You put up the sail, the wind fills the sail as the, in the moment that the wind is filling the sail at the very same moment, there's a response. The sail is propelling the boat through the water. You can't like run up the sail, let it be filled with air and then hope to use that energy 20 minutes later. It's a continual process of what I'm receiving is propelling me. So what I receive of God's love moment by moment through my day is meant to be given away in love. In the circumstances and situations that are before me as it happens so that's a huge challenge it's it's a challenge in my i've known this for years and years and years and it's still a challenge to live in that dynamic like to receive god's love in the present moment so i can allow that love to direct and inspire and sustain how i can love people in my finance council meeting or if i'm sitting with someone in the confessional or in spiritual direction or as i'm preaching or as I'm at Walmart with the cashier, or whatever I am at, God is loving me in that moment. He's calling me to love him and my neighbor in that moment. And the mission of love, to be given away in love, is dependent on what I'm receiving of God's love in that moment. And if I desire, if I'm afraid like, oh, somehow I'll be dissipated or diminished if I love, like I just need to be tanked up on the love, what will happen is actually my Capacity to receive love will get constrained, constricted. But when we give away love and parents, I think, as they have, are blessed with more and more children in their family, they discover sometimes to their surprise, love is not divided, but it is. In fact, I have more opportunities to love my kids through thick and thin and love actually grows. It's never diminished by its nature. It's meant to be received and given away. And if we enter into both sides of that, our. Overall capacity for love always grows and grows and grows, which is why life lived according to the great commandment is a wonderful adventure marked by joy, even in the midst of difficulties.
0: Mm, Father Scott, I wish we had more time. This kind of leaves open another door for us. I was thinking of uh, in that sharing of love, it's easier sometimes to do it in joy than when we suffer. Mm but maybe that we can hold that off for our next conversation. That'd be great. Any final thoughts for those out there who are listening, who want to go deeper into the heart of that communion?
1: Mm. You know, um, here's a great grace to pray for. I think in most people's lives, there are certain moments where we are most convinced of a lie that we can't be loved. Maybe take some time today and ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit of God, show me the moment, the memory, the experience in my life where I judge myself to be most unlovable and just let that come up. Don't be afraid of it. God is very gentle and reverent when he moves in our hearts in this way, but let that come up and then tell God all about that. Tell him about what you think of yourself and that situation And if there's any self-recrimination there or shame or guilt, tell God all about that. And then ask God that you can experience the truth of his unconditional love right in that spot in your life. This is a tremendous healing that God is eager to bring about in every person's heart. Wherever we've bought into the lie that, oh, for this reason or that reason or in this experience, God, He can't love that in me. God, please. Reveal to me, communicate to me, right there, the reality of your love for me.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Scott. Mm -hmm. You've been listening to The School of Prayer, Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer. To hear and or to download this episode, along with many others, go to discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com, in cooperation with the Institute for Priestly Formation. I'm your host Chris McGregor. Join us next time for The School of Prayer: Foundations for the New Evangelization with Father Scott Trainer.